Kristen, and you're listening to Podcast and Amplify, a podcast for women entrepreneurs who want to amplify their voice and brand through podcasting and grow a wildly successful business. I'm the executive producer and host of two shows and an entrepreneur, and I love helping women grow their visibility, mindset, and business to the next level. Each week, I share tips on how to launch and leverage your podcast, and I'm bringing on the very best business leaders to give you advice on how to build your business empire. Let's amplify your voice and business. Hey there, welcome back to Podcast and Amplify. Today is kind of a special episode that we're recording I have invited Manisha Tare back to the show. Uh, she was on the show. Was it season two? I'm not sure. It's hard to remember. I think it was two. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she does really great work, but I'm going to let her tell you about the kind of work that she does. But first, I kind of want to give some context for having this conversation. So if you've listened to Podcast and Amplify, you will have heard a previous episode where I spoke with Venice Johnson about communication tools when having difficult conversations. And I was really excited to have that conversation with her because she is so knowledgeable and we had a great conversation around, yeah, just these strategies, these tools for navigating those kinds of conversations, um, having a win-win sort of attitude and sometimes being okay with just walking away. It was really fantastic. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen. But when I was speaking with Venice, she had shared a story where she kind of had to go back and apologize to someone um, because she didn't show up how she really wanted to show up. And I told her that's like really brave. And, you know, you have to be really vulnerable to do that. And she was like, yeah, you know, it's part of like doing that self-work. And she really made me realize that there's the communication part, but then there's the other side where we have to do that pre-work. We have to do that inner work so that we can show up curious, open-minded, vulnerable, because those are the things that really facilitate great conversation, especially when it's tough. It's a tough situation, scenario. So I immediately thought of Manisha because of her work. So I thought, okay, what a great compliment to the previous episode that hopefully you've listened to, um, to come in and talk about really like how we can take care of ourselves, get to that place and do that inner work. So welcome, Anisha, to the show. Welcome back. And please share with us um, your focus and what you do. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I love like that you just shared the progression. And I, I love to get into the conversation that we had, you know, with your audience. But um, just back up, like my work is around um, somatic healing. So I work with embodiment. I do a combination of coaching and somatic healing work with my clients. I work with highly sensitive, mostly women, but certainly some men as well. And what I really do is help them identify some of the underlying root causes of like the people pleasing and the overgiving and 
avoiding conflict and and all of these types of things that make it really difficult for them to set boundaries in relationships because as someone who is sensitive a feeler an empath like you're feeling everybody else's stuff and so it can be really difficult to set those boundaries because you don't want to hurt people's feelings like you don't want them to feel alone you don't want them to experience like some of the rejection or abandonment that perhaps you have experienced so when we can get to some of the root issues through the approach I use is trauma-informed somatic work, we can really start to reset, heal the nervous system. And so it essentially significantly diminishes or decreases those coping skills of the people-pleasing or the conflict avoidance and all of that kind of stuff because you no longer have the same charge around those early experiences that we might have forgotten, we might have repressed, we, you know, kind of put them in a back pocket somewhere and sort of forgot. And, um, and just to to add to that, that doesn't mean you have to go relive every single experience that you've had at all. However, those uh, feelings can, and, and the energy of those feelings can sit in our body. And so when we do some of this work where we tune into the body, what we're really doing is giving space for some of those feelings to rise up and and leave and and shift and be acknowledged. So just to be clear, like this doesn't mean you have to relive all of these difficult things you've experienced, but you might have to, you know, be brave and refeel some of the feelings in order to let them go so that you can, you know, be in this more like neutral, open space of feeling safe to be vulnerable. Creating that safety. I mean, that's, that's really challenging. And it, it is something that I think is really good when you can have support around it, because there are a lot of things that, that come up. Yeah. Your work with, you know, somatic work, working with, you know, being trauma-informed relationships are such a part of, you know, what you do. And really that's what communication is about, right? We're trying to foster relationships with other people. A lot of that can be triggering, Mm -hmm. especially if we're like, ah, I don't, I'm not comfortable in this, um, setting this boundary or even speaking my truth, using my voice. So I'm so excited to have you here to help us, you know, unpack that a little Mm -hmm. bit and, and give us maybe some, just like awareness and maybe even some tools to use, but I want to take a little step back and ask you about what's a pivotal moment that got you to this place that way we can understand you a little bit better. Yeah, that's a great question. And and as you were saying, and I thought, oh my gosh, there's so many things layered on top of each other, but I had an an injury and this is so random because we're talking about boundaries and relationships and all these things, but like I had a shoulder injury that seemed to come out of nowhere. And I was like, what's happening to my body? Like I'm not, I'm I'm relatively young. I am a yoga teacher. Like I'm active. Like this should not like be a thing. And anyway, it turned out to be a frozen shoulder. And in that moment I was in pain. I clearly couldn't teach yoga in the same way that I was teaching before. I was actually working with kids at the time as an occupational therapist. I couldn't lift them. Like it was kind of a mess. And so I was just like trying to find and seek all of these different things around like, how can I, first of all, how did this happen? And then secondly, like, how can I fix this essentially? 
And I went, you know, initially like the physical route, but then I started getting more into acupuncture. And that's when I learned about craniosacral therapy, which I ended up training in and, and practicing for many years. And why that's a pivotal moment is because I started to really make the link between all of the experiences that I had like suppressed and that were like stuck in my body. Cause what I was learning through acupuncture and some of the other energetic work was, you know, all of these like energy channels are connected. And I was like having this physical manifestation basically of this like emotional experiences or early experiences that I had never really processed or healed. And so that's really what helped me like recognize just the holistic nature of our bodies. And, you know, there certainly absolutely was a physical component. I went to physical therapy, like they were so, so helpful. So I'd never, you know, like, yeah, do that. And for me, I also, because I have this sensitive nervous system, had to find these other modalities. And when I started to dig a little bit deeper, I just realized like, oh yeah, I am sensitive. And oh, right. I never really learned how to process my really big feelings. And of course they overwhelmed me. So I kind of shoved them down and okay. Like now my body's just being like, yep, we're done holding them for you. Like you have to deal with them now. And so I kind of went on this journey of understanding, like, how do I process my emotions? Like, how do I work with my body? How do I get in tune with that? all of that? And it was really impacting my relationships because I would feel reactive and overwhelmed and like easily triggered and like all of these things. And yeah, so it was all like meshing in together. So this was really a moment where I had to stop and like figure a lot of stuff out that I hadn't really paid much attention to. Yeah. And isn't it funny how, you know, our bodies will tell us if we're not listening, it's like, okay, well now it's going to go to a physical yeah. manifestation that you cannot ignore. You can't ignore me anymore. Yes. It takes us paying attention, right. To yourself. Yeah. And I can definitely see how that connects to leading you down this path that you're currently on and how you help people. So when it comes to conversations, when we're having these difficult conversations, what are the kinds of things that influence how we show up? Yeah. So I would say certainly our past experiences, right? Because they really are the lens through which we are perceiving life and like literally all of our experience up up until then. I mean, you and I could hear the same exact thing and we would perceive it differently you know, and then if you think about somebody, and I, I think, you know, we we probably have maybe a more similar way of perceiving things, generally speaking, just because we are both sensitive and introverted and all of that. But like, then you take a person who is not like, maybe it's not highly sensitive or an extrovert or something else, then, you know, the perception is so different. So, you know, certainly our experiences, um, I think that if we are you know, our, our personal relationships, certainly with the person that we're talking to, you know, even things like that have happened to us throughout that day, right, can lead us to be in a different state. And so just as an aside, sometimes when I'm talking to clients, I'll say like, well, when are you having this conversation? Are you having this conversation at the end of a long week? Like when you're, when you and your partner maybe are like really burnt out and exhausted or are you having it like after you know you've gotten a good night's sleep and like can both focus like these physiological things are really important 
you know, and we just live in a society that's, you know, people are running around, they're busy, we're on our phones, we're doing a lot, we're holding a lot, the world is a lot right now. And so we, you know, I just think we can't live in a vacuum to say like those things aren't going to impact us. So I think even when we're having conversations, like we can think about how can we set ourselves up to have them at a time and space where we can be like, you know, our most optimal selves. Yeah. So definitely like our experience, our perspectives. And I like that you bring up the physiological part too, of course. And then if we shift internally, like how can we become more self-aware around knowing what our energy is in the moment, what kinds of things trigger us when we're having these difficult conversations. You mentioned, you know, it could be hard for some people to set boundaries or it can be hard for um, people to just even engage and and not avoid Mm -hmm. having the difficult conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think there is such a, a range, like I would imagine people listening to your podcast have a level of you know, a reasonable level of self-awareness, like we're, they're tuned into kind of, you know, personal development, different things like that. So I'll, I'll kind of start there and just say, you know, for somebody who has some of those recognitions, you know, can you start to notice when you're having a reaction? Like, can you put any patterns together? Like, is it always around the same person? Is it around the same types of people? Is it around the same time of day? And what what is that reaction? Like, do you notice that you shut down? So if we if we think about maybe like trauma responses or coping mechanisms, like are you a person that maybe shuts down when something gets difficult or stresses you out? Do you fight back? Do you feel this need to um just say yes and avoid conflict? Like kind of starting to get to know, like, what do I have a go-to? Do I do all of them at different times, depending on how I'm feeling? Um, so you can start to to notice. And if somebody's really like, oh, this is really like, how do I do this? Like start writing it down, you know, because it's hard to remember all of these things. So if you're just like feeling a little anxious, like start a little notebook, be like, I feel anxious and it's this time of day and maybe this happened or you're you're noticing, oh, I notice that I feel anxious like before I have to have this kind of conversation before I have to say no to somebody or before I think I might disappoint somebody or upset them or before I talk to my mom or before I talk to my spouse or, you know, we can start to recognize like these types of things. Maybe you're not so much, or you're getting into the personal development space and you're, you're not like, you know, it's super in tune just yet. You might start to notice, like, do I make everything like about somebody else? Is everything like because someone else is doing it wrong? Yeah, certainly that's the case sometimes, right? I'm not going to say that's not. But if it's like all the time, you're like, well, there's probably something there that we have to look at, right? So I would look for like glaring patterns like that, like all or nothing, you know, is it really, you know, yeah, just everything is this or all these people are this way and I'm this way. Like we can start to notice like when we're using that language. And then again, if you've been on this, this little path for a while, you, you can start to really delineate like, who is this with? And does my stomach hurt or does my throat close? Or do I just want to run away? Or do I, do I, try, do I avoid things? And 
I remember I had a, was working with somebody who she just didn't want to disappoint somebody. So she basically wouldn't give them the answer. And they were, this was like her partner. And they were just like, just tell me, is it yes or no? Like, it's fine. But for her, there's so much anxiety and even like maybe saying no, even if she knew her partner was like 100% okay with it. So she would just avoid it. And then it would actually become a fight because it would be so the response would be so delayed that it would create like a ripple effect because of a schedule or timing or something can get done. And so notice like if your avoidance is like creating other problems, like outside of just, you know, your internal state. It very much highlights how you have to do that inner work because her partner was giving her all the safety that he could possibly give her. And it didn't matter because she didn't have that for herself. Um, so that's a, that's a great example. So well said. Yeah. It's like, she didn't feel comfortable, even though like the external you know person was, was offering that. And, and that's really, really interesting I think that like, okay, when I'm like, ah, that's not enough coming from the outside. That's like such a, a a marker indicator, I think, to notice, to be like, wow, like I really need to shore this up internally because like I'm literally getting the confirmation from the outside and it still doesn't feel okay. It's the perfect example for this conversation because it it's very much like why I wanted to have this because... I was thinking about all the tools that I was, you know, getting from Venice and they were fantastic. And I definitely love having language, you know, and having kind of a script and having methods for things. And, you know, just like we were saying earlier about it, like not just being physical and not just being emotional or mental. Communication is so complex that you need all of it. You mentioned documenting, which I really love, you know, to keep track of your patterns and just to, to start to be aware and to start to, you know, understand, oh, what, what are my, what am I doing? What am I feeling? Also writing is just therapeutic. And then you also mentioned if it's kind of always someone else and it's never about you, it kind of made me think too of being aware if your mindset is win or lose when it comes to communication. I think that can be a barrier to connection when it's like all or nothing. Either I'm going to be heard or you're going to be heard, but there's not going to be any coming together. Are you looking at it as, I don't even know if it's a win-win because sometimes no one will win and that's okay too, right? Like, like no, not everyone's going to get what they want, but it's just this openness to hear others and not have it be about, I'm going to get my way. What comes up for me when you're saying that is like sometimes the 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 quote unquote compromise or like where where people land in the in the middle or even skewed a little on one direction or the other is actually the win because if you're in a relationship that's a significant one I think people want to like feel like they're on the same team and so when you can go back and forth and kind of come to this conclusion together like to me that's that's such a win, even if you didn't get exactly what you thought at the very beginning. It's like what you wanted. Because for me, I'd rather both people be like feeling good about what you're doing moving forward than like me getting like my 100% preference in that moment. Um, we talked about safety a little bit, but 
Mm-hmm. I want to go back to that because it's so important to have these really productive conversations. We need to show up vulnerable, curious, open. How do we go from like, I'm not feeling safe to that very open, vulnerable place? Those seem like so far from each other. First, what, what I want to say is that Different relationships, in my opinion, require like different degrees of vulnerability. So, you know, what I heard you say was kind of going from like this closed place to like this open, vulnerable place. And I would say that you kind of have to decide where that is on the range, depending on who you're talking to. And then maybe also think about, so just as an example, like say it is your your spouse or your partner or something like that, like ideally you'd want to be in that open, vulnerable place, right? Like maybe not with your boss or like with somebody else, but like with your partner, yes. So you might like recognize like, this is my desire to want to be like open and vulnerable, but I feel like I can only get there like 50%, right? And then so at least you have like something to work with and then say it is with like a colleague or like your neighbor, right? Maybe you're having some conflict with your neighbor, which is like not an unusual situation. I'm not really interested in being open and vulnerable. Like I'm interested in being respectful and fair and direct and all of those things. Right. And so you just, first of all, I guess I just wanted to say that, like, you know, decide who you're talking, figure out who who you're talking to and like what level of vulnerability is like really appropriate for that. I like that you brought that up because you're right. Not every situation requires a huge amount of vulnerability. You're making me think of, you know, I had a recent experience with someone and it was a very, I want—I guess I'll say disempowering experience. I ended up choosing not to deal directly with this person because I just didn't feel like I would get any real resolution. So I took a different route and I think that's okay. Like going back to what you're saying, like in terms of like assessing the situation and, you know, understanding how I felt with it, you know, I really had to sit and think, do am I avoiding this because just don't want to have the conversation or is there something underlying, you know, my response and the conclusion I came to was that, oh, this person hasn't made you, made you feel seen in any of your interactions having a difficult conversation around the topic that it was, I'm like, this is not going to, I'm not going to feel any more seen at this point, (laughs) or, or, you know, like I'm not going to get any, anywhere um, by having this conversation. And sometimes that's okay. I also tapped into my energy. I was like, you know what, this experience and the experiences that I've had with this person is draining me. Is it worth investing any more energy into this person? And the answer was no. And so I didn't have that conversation. Um, And then there's other scenarios where sometimes things have to be said, right? Like you have to set the boundary. And I was in a position where I didn't have to, I could choose a different path. And you mentioned like, I was sensing into kind of my own energy and asking myself these questions. Am I avoiding, like you were doing a lot of this like internal investigation essentially. And some of that was mental, right? Like asking yourself these questions, but, and then you mentioned the energy. So there's some of it was like energetic, right? Like how do I feel? And then I guess what I I just want to emphasize is like when, when I'm supporting people with somatic work or they're doing it on their own, and, and I'll definitely share some things people can do. 
that's like really tapping into uh, the, the sensation. So I, you know, I was going to start to say feeling, but when we say feeling, it's easy for people to think like emotion, right? But what I'm really talking about is like the the physical sensation or the physiological sensation of like your heart pounding or your stomach. Uh, tightening or your chest tightening or your throat tightening or an ache or pain kind of coming up. And so what I feel is like part of what you were kind of assessing there of like, do I see something? Do I not? Is it worth it? We can go through the mental process, but we can also start to notice like what's happening in our bodies to help us make those decisions. And so it's definitely not like a one size fits all. And sometimes, you know, people are like, you know, just speak your truth and set boundaries. And it's like, yeah, definitely. And like, sometimes it's like, wait, but what if, you know, not every situation is the same. So that's why I'm such a believer and I practice some form of somatic work probably like every day without even realizing because it's like such a second, so such second nature because I'm constantly using the sensations that are coming up in my body to like help guide me and like help me know what the truth is for me and like make those decisions from that anchored place. And that takes time sometimes, especially when you're sensitive to retrust yourself, because I find over time, you know, when we're sensitive to things around us, we're like more in tune to the outside than the inside. That's been our training for so long. So we're almost like looking for cues outside of us for so long to help us make those choices. And then when we start to turn inside, it will it can take a little bit of time to rebuild that trust because it's we're sort of like rebuilding that relationship with ourselves to be able to trust like what's coming up in our bodies. Yeah. And I like what you said around like trusting yourself. And it mm-hmm. really kind of struck a chord with me because I do not like conflict. I don't know that a lot of people do, but I don't love it. It makes me uncomfortable. I think what resonated with me when you said like knowing what's true for you or is is like when I do feel like, no, that's like, I know in my heart, like that's not right. Or I know that what I'm feeling is I'm really like connected to it. That's when it doesn't necessarily bother me so much to have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of overrides all the other. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. And that's like what starts to happen when over time, when you do this work or any, you know, kind of work enough to be like, I totally trust how I'm feeling right now. And when you have that inner confidence, you're not going to be like, how do I say it? And what do I say? And what and this person might think this, or you're just like, I trust this feeling. Like, this is something that's really like, I know this to be true for me. I have to say it out loud. And, you know, when you're in a relationship, that's, uh, again, I, you know, like intimate or, or, or even a deep friendship or something like that. It's like, you can always be willing to hear the other person too in that, right? It doesn't have to be this, like, this is my truth. And this is the only thing, but it's like, you just don't doubt in the same way or overthink in the same way. You just are like, you just say it. And, and it feels really, really good. Like when you can, you can get to that place. It does push you over that edge of where I think mm-hmm. you can feel in your body mm-hmm. that fear. And like you were saying, like, the heart palpitations or in your stomach, but mm-hmm. when you practice going back to your truth or feel really connected to, that is one of the things that can really help you, you know, have those, those difficult conversations. And I think that's really what I was looking for. And I didn't realize that until you 
said that. Because I think when I think of difficult conversations, they give me anxiety because I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I do get attached to, I want this one outcome. And if it doesn't go that way, I can get disappointed. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so sometimes I don't even, the anxiety of it and the fear of not getting what I hope for and not being heard kind of prevent, can prevent Mm -hmm. me from having the conversation unless I feel really strongly about, you know, what if, what it is that I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, need to bring up. Um, So I love that we touched on that because that's something I think listeners can, if they're having trouble, they can figure out ways to connect to their, their truth and what's for them. And not like you said, in a way that's like, this is my truth. And it's only the the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is my truth. This can get me to speak it and then still be open to hearing what does the other person have to say because their experiences are valid as well. Yeah. And, and to get to that, like, it definitely is like trial and error. And sometimes I'll say to people, like, it's almost like the assessment piece I mentioned at the beginning of like starting to track like what your responses are. And like, if you always feel a little bit fearful or you always feel a little bit doubtful, start to notice like, okay, like what's happening in my body when I'm feeling some of those feelings. Um, and I recommend people like do some of this stuff like before, for sure, before they're going to have like the conversation or maybe they have to bring up something that's like a little awkward. Like do that on the front end, like take some time with yourself and just like imagine in your mind, like the conversation and not like, what am I going to say? And what are they going to say? Like, not necessarily in that way, but as you think about, okay, I have to go talk to somebody and kind of let them know that I'm not going to be able to be there for them for like some event and start to know it's like, what's happening in my body? Like, and, and you can be with that. And if you, you know, feel comfortable enough, like I, you know, I always recommend set a timer or set it for three minutes, set it for five minutes, like whatever it is. And just let yourself feel that the, the discomfort of, oh my God, like, what does it feel like in your body if you think this person's going to get upset with you or maybe they might start yelling or maybe they might start crying or like whatever our fears are, right? Like, can you walk that out a little bit for a few minutes with the timer? Because otherwise people, I think, don't go there because they're like, I might get carried away with this. Who wants to sit in this feeling for a long time? That's why I like to set a boundary around it with, with time. Because it's like, okay, like, can I feel this discomfort for three minutes? Yeah, probably. Okay, I'm going to try it, you know? So you sit with it and you're like, okay, I notice this crunching and I notice like, I feel really contracted and maybe I'm going to cry. Oh, that's interesting, right? Like, see, we get to know like all of the layers of the emotion that work, that are kind of enmeshed in that. And I'll tell you, like, I, I literally was doing this the other day. Like there was like some conversation I needed to have. And I was just like, okay, this is like, what am I, like, what am I afraid of here? What am I afraid the other person might say? Like, am I attached to the outcome? Am I okay with if the outcome is the complete opposite? So I can like do that mental gymnastics, certainly. But then I just sat with it and I was like, oh, this is going to make me really sad if this goes in this. Okay. You know, and I just kind of sat with like being sad for a few minutes, you know, and allowed myself to have that. And then I was able to talk, you know, have the conversation later. And I was just in a much more neutral place. 
like, and you can't prevent yourself from having like real feelings, right? If you're going to have them and that's okay. But if you can like prepare yourself to have them kind of beforehand and, and sort of realize on the other side, like, okay, I didn't die. I'm still here. Like, I'm just kind of sad. Okay. Like I can, I can do this. Right. And we sort of build our own confidence, like when we do it in that way and that, and, and, and I really appreciate your point earlier to just to say, like, depending on what you're navigating, this can be completely fine to do on our own, right? If it's, if it's on the lower end of the spectrum, but if you already know, maybe you have a history of trauma and like something very difficult is going to come up. And if it comes up, it's going to, you know spin you out a little bit, or you might start to dissociate or have some other, then it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't explore this particular thing on my own, but there's probably other things I can. And then maybe I would consider like getting some kind of support to, to tackle like some of this bigger stuff. Cause it's just too big to, to do by myself. Yeah. I love getting in that practice of sitting with the feelings, especially if they're uncomfortable, because I think a lot of us can tend to avoid those feelings because they don't feel great. And so it's kind of like, okay, just push them away. But the more that we are able to sit in it, I think we realize, well, first of all, it helps us reflect on where it's coming from, but it also helps us just feel, feel the feelings. And then it helps us have our own backs. Exactly. You know, I was thinking of, you know, a lot of my anxiety is around Oh, I'm not going to get the outcome that I want mm-hmm. or um, I'm not going to be heard and that's going to feel really hurtful. But then, you know, if you're sitting with those things and kind of thinking them through a little bit, you can then think, okay, well, let's take this through like all the way. Like, okay, so they didn't hear you. That's hurtful. But how do you have yourself? You know, like you, you mm-hmm. can still give yourself that knowing that your voice is important and knowing that Mm -hmm. just because they didn't Mm -hmm. hear you doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't mean anything about you. It's more about them Mm -hmm. or the Mm -hmm. disappointment. Okay. Well, how can I soothe myself through that disappointment? What does that really mean? You know, just kind of taking it through and thinking about how can I support myself Mm -hmm. through these uncomfortable feelings? Yeah. Yeah. I think that preparation and doing that in terms of sitting with the feeling, the the just uncomfortable, like physiological stuff that comes up, like that's really so important because, you know, and I'll use like a really sort of more mundane example, but say like some people like wouldn't, wouldn't apply for a certain job, let's say, because they're like, oh, I'm not going to get it. Well, first of all, you have no idea, right? But it's like the, the fear of rejection or what if no one picks me or like, so it's like we have all of these other fears instead of being like, well, let's just see what happens. And yeah, if I don't get picked, like, is that going to mean something about me or what am I making that mean about me? But really, and, and we can have, again, like these mental um like ways of exploring this, which I think are helpful because it helps us like walk down this, this path. But like, if I say, okay, I'm not going to apply for this job, or I'm not going to send a proposal to this potential client because they're too big, or, you know, they would never want to work with me or like whatever our story is around it, right? If you can be like, okay, let me just like sit, imagine I sent it out, what's happening in my body? 
am I getting a little anxious? Am I like a little nervous? Do I feel butterflies? Like, do I feel fear? Like what is happening? Right. So we can kind of do the same scenario that you're just like describing of like the, the thought process, but the feeling or the sensation process and like walk that out and kind of get a little bit more comfortable with the discomfort. And then sometimes like, you know, it's not necessarily going to be like a hundred percent, like I feel amazing doing this, but you know, you've gotten to enough of a point where you're not like pushing yourself through. Cause I know like I I'll, I'll hear people say like, you just have to will yourself to do it or push through. And, you know, I think maybe in certain industries or certain personalities or certain types of people like that actually is good advice for, I don't think that's necessarily the best advice for someone who's highly sensitive or has a sensitive nervous system, because I feel like it just, it, it just overloads them. It's like too much and it can set, set you back. So I'm really a firm believer in like, how can I work with my physiology up to the degree that like, I just can't anymore in my own self, right? I have to have the interaction in order to like really complete that. But how can I prepare myself enough so that it feels okay to do? And I think that's just a more sustainable approach that works when you're a highly sensitive person. It's kind of reminding me of like all the care that I have to do for myself around like public speaking, just like having a process, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe some people listening, they might not be sensitive or maybe they don't have a problem having these tough conversations. They're just like, you know what? I need to say what I'm going to say. Yeah, and it's all good. It's what it like, is. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for those of us who have a harder time, you know, I think these things are really helpful to talk about. No, none of us are signing up for like, hey, can I have difficult conversations all day long? Like no one's doing that <laughs> for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, conflict is, uh, most people don't don't like conflict and or yeah, don't want to engage in an all day long, certainly. So all of us can benefit from that, right? Like to have almost like a little ritual in place that sort of helps us kind of optimize whatever that is for us, whether it's public speaking or having a conversation or saying something difficult or whatever it is. And then on the other side, I'm like, how am I taking care of myself? And, you know, I think that answers your your earlier question or our conversation so beautifully of like, how are we creating safety, right? And how do we move from uh, feeling like maybe a little closed to, to moving towards being more open and vulnerable in those like appropriate places, relationships, you know, like how can we support ourselves and our nervous system before, during and, and after, right? To, yeah. 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 And I think it, it really kind of all goes back to self-love, right? I mean, if we're <laughs> taking care of ourselves, the more likely we are to show up as our better selves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to give other people grace in those uncomfortable conversations yeah, and sure. then to have but more likely a better outcome for everyone yeah. and then you know we can go on our way and still continue to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and give ourselves that compassion and mm-hmm. love so I think those are those are good things to do in any situation but I think especially when things are can feel heightened absolutely yeah. Well, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you yeah. for diving deep with me into tuning in to ourselves and supporting ourselves. Before we go, um, what is your superpower? Hearing things that people don't always say out loud. I mean, I think it helps people to then affirm or confirm, right? Like 
you reflect back to them, like, this is kind of what I'm getting here. And sometimes it's hard for us to articulate our own thoughts because we're so in it. But if someone else is able to pick up on that and reflect that back and kind of ask, like, how does this feel in your body? Does this feel true in your body? Like, you know, I think it can just help us. Yeah. Heal, shift, become more aware, like faster because you're, you're in that relationship with somebody and they're picking up on this on your behalf. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a, it's such a gift because what's more important than helping other people feel seen. Um, and then how can people find out more about you? Yeah. So, um, you can uh, reach me on my website. Um, I mean, on Instagram with my name. So if you want to like, just say hi, that's great. Um, my website is my full name, anishatari.com. And I also have a podcast. So if you're curious about hearing more about like my take on relationships and boundaries and sensitivity and communication and all of these types of things, uh, my podcast is the transform your relationship podcast, and it's available all the places you can listen to podcasts. I'd love, yeah, to connect with people there. You liked this conversation. Manisha's podcast gives you like these weekly, well, it's not weekly. It's It's every other week, every other week. Um, just these little doses of a lot of what we talked about here today. And then she dives deep on other topics and yeah, definitely go check out her podcast and all her other places, which we will link in the show notes. Um, But thank you again for being here, Manisha. This was a really great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. I loved the nuance. I love nuanced conversations. So thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. So if you found this episode really valuable, I'd love for you to head on over to Instagram and share your big takeaways, any aha moments that you had and tag me at podcast and amplify. If you have any questions, make sure to hit me up in the DMs. And if you have any friends or fellow entrepreneurs who you think would get a ton of value from the show, make sure to share this episode with them. Your recommendations and your reviews are really what help grow this podcast. And we are always so grateful for your support. Always remember your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.